I got a call from one of the heads of development there and they said, you know, we are not anti-startups, but we're starting to feel a little bit nervous about taking on the risk of a startup and we're just not sure that we want to partner with you anymore. Starting a business takes courage, but making it profitable can be mind-boggling. You're left wondering, what do I do next? Where do I find clients? And is anyone even reading my social media posts? Join me, Beth G. Harper, as I share my experience and have honest conversations with fierce, boundary-pushing entrepreneurs on how they built their business, the heartbreaking struggles they've gone through, and the juicy secrets that worked for them. Spoiler alert, it's all about a steadfast attitude and having some business smarts. Get ready to build a business that makes more income, impact, and influence. Isn't it the freaking worst when a tampon starts to leak? Don't even get me started on pads that feel like adult diapers. Now, can you imagine living in a third world country where you don't even have the luxury of a tampon or pad? On today's episode, I chat with Betsy Drack, who is the founder of Dot, a modern menstrual cup company all about her one-for-one business model, similar to brands like Tom's and Warby Parker, where for every Dot cup purchased, one will be given to a girl in need. She also shares a lot about her journey building her business while on maternity leave. By the way, Dot is less than a year old and these Mighty Cups are already in stores like Free People and has been featured in magazines like Darling. A little bit about Betsy, she's based in Chicago and Betsy has a background in advertising, art direction, and graphic design. She previously worked for World Vision, the number one non-government provider for clean water in the world. And today, she's partnered with her previous employer to get Dot Cups in the hands of women in need. On this episode, Betsy shares how she came up with the idea for Dot and the perks of using a Dot cup instead of tampons. She shares her top tips when it comes to starting a one-for-one business model, what caused Betsy to put her dream on hold for four years, and her advice when you're in a season of waiting, launching a business with a newborn baby, and how Betsy deals with mommy guilt. She also shares how to find a manufacturer for your product-based business and her top two tips for women who are selling products online. If you're ready, let's get started. Hey, Betsy. Hi, how are you, Beth? Good. I'm so excited to have you here today. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here too. Well, I want to dive right on in and ask you a question that's just going to help us get to know you a little bit more. And it's it goes along very well with your business. So mm-hmm. we'll dive more into that. But I'd love to know, what is your go-to comfort food when you're on your period? <laughs> good question. I feel like I'm probably pretty either predictable or boring, but I would have to say some good old dark chocolate. I feel like if I'm feeling, you know, like I want to be good with what I'm eating, I go dark chocolate. If I'm feeling like I don't care, then it's definitely a giant chocolate chip cookie. So that's probably the best answer I've got. I am totally a chocolate girl. I think I actually, when I'm on my period, I, instead of going healthy with dark chocolate, I have allow myself milk chocolate, which I adore. (laughs) Yeah. I've actually started to lose my taste for milk chocolate. Now that I, the darker chocolate that I get, the more I, yeah, the less and less I like milk chocolate, I guess. I've totally been there before as well, but then I got really bad with my food again and have lost my taste for dark chocolate now. So 
Yeah, it ha- the pendulum swings back and <laughs> forth. You get into this healthy momentum and then it goes backwards. But I need to work on getting back into dark chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about you and how you started DOT. I love your business and the mission behind it. So I'd love for girls to hear a little bit more about you and obviously your business. Awesome. Yeah, I would be happy to share. So I guess I started my career out in the advertising industry. So I studied advertising in college and um, knew I wanted to work in advertising and branding. Graphic design is sort of the route I took within the advertising world. So I was an art director for a while in the advertising industry. And Definitely never thought that I would end up in the period industry or launching my own company in in the menstrual care industry, but here we are. (laughs) So I I guess the way that Dot came about all started about six or seven years ago. I was introduced to the menstrual cup by one of my really good friends and was very skeptical at first, was very hesitant to try it. But once I did, I just fell in love with the product in general and the freedom that it can bring, the way that it can allow you to go about your day with so many less trips to the bathroom, the way that it's so environmentally friendly, cost savings. I mean, there are so many benefits we can get into later for the menstrual cup. So I just came to really believe in menstrual cups in general, but sort of around the same timeline, I also uh, was working for a global humanitarian organization called World Vision. And through a couple of trips with them around the world, I got to meet some amazing women who didn't have access to menstrual products. And I got to see just how paralyzing that could be. Something as simple as a, a tampon or a pad that we have easy access to that we take for granted can be so paralyzing when you don't have access to it. And so it was sort of a blend of those two things of myself falling in love with the menstrual cup, but also realizing what a powerful tool it could be for women and girls around the world in need. So I gravitated towards the one-for-one model and just realized that I think that more women and girls need menstrual cups near and far, women with means and women without means to purchase them. And so that's sort of what birthed DOT. And that idea came to me, gosh, I would say maybe five or six years ago. And finally started chasing after it. And we launched this past March. What? I didn't realize you guys launched this past March. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. We launched on International Women's Day on March 8th. So we're a baby six month old company right now. (laughs) (laughs) But your stuff is in quite a few stores at this point, right? Yeah. You know, that's been so amazing and unexpected. I just keep hearing from more and more boutiques and people ask me, you know, you must be just peddling this product to all the stores (laughs) you can. And that's really not the case. It's been so amazing. Just the, honestly, I think I just caught on the wave at the right time that the health and wellness and natural beauty industry is sort of on this upward trajectory. And there are all these little health and wellness, natural beauty boutiques popping up around the country. And I think it was just the perfect timing that as these little boutiques start to pop up, there's this kind of online community, especially on Instagram, where a lot of these little boutiques follow each other and they are inspired by each other and see what other shops that are similar are carrying. And so I think it just just has kind of grown from there. And I just, I hear from a new shop every single week. So it's been amazing. That's amazing. It's pretty exciting. Before we go any further, I do want you to kind of educate us a little bit on the menstrual cup. I know it's a lot more common these days, but could you tell us a little bit about how it works? Why more women should start using them? 
Yeah, yeah, of course. It is definitely becoming more mainstream, like you said, but I recently had a booth at a conference out in LA and that was a really good learning opportunity for me to see the wide spectrum of where women are in their familiarity with menstrual cups. I met women from on one side of the coin who had never heard of a menstrual cup. They were literally speaking to me, hearing about it for the very first time. And then I met women who had been using a menstrual cup for seven years. And those were the two extremes. And I would say that the majority of the women I met during that conference and chatted with were sort of somewhere in the middle. And they said, you know, I've been using a menstrual cup for a year and I love it. Or they would say my best friend or my sister or my coworker uses a menstrual cup and they love it. And they've been telling me to try one, but I just haven't taken the plunge yet. So it's definitely becoming more mainstream, which I love and I'm so excited about. But a menstrual cup is a medical grade silicone alternative to tampons. So it's worn inside of the vagina and it catches blood, collects blood instead of absorbing it like a sponge. So when you're thinking about a tampon, since it's cotton and it's absorbing, when it's full, the only place that the excess blood has to go is to drip out. So eventually it's going to leak. That's inevitable. Where a menstrual cup, is a bar- it serves as a barrier. So you fold it to insert it. The dot cup holds three times the amount of a super tampon. So there's not as much space taken up by cotton. So it can hold so much more. So you can wear it for about 12 hours and you're making far less trips to the bathroom. And then you just pull it out to empty it once it's full or at the end of the day and you put it right back in. So during your period, it's either inside of your body at all times. Well, it's pretty much inside of your body at all times as long as you're not emptying it. And when you're not on your period, it just kind of stays in your purse or your medicine cabinet. So it makes it really convenient. You're not making those uh, last minute runs to the drugstore. You save so much money because a a dot cup can be used for 10 years. So imagine all the money that you're saving. The average woman (laughs) spends about $120 to $150 a year on menstrual products. And menstrual cups are just amazing products in general. So I definitely have been an advocate long before launching dot cup. I've actually been wanting to try some sort of cup and I haven't yet. I'm still old school tampon user, (laughs) but I think after this interview and chatting with you, I am going to have to go and order one off your site. (laughs) Oh, I would be happy to send you one. You've got to try it. So I mean, I tell everyone it's just, there is definitely a learning curve. I mean, it takes, usually say it takes about three cycles before you really master the art of folding it and inserting it. And I always tell people, you kind of have to revert back to your preteen tween mindset when you first started using tampons because it's something new. There's a learning curve. You kind of, your body has to kind of adjust to it and get used to it. But once you do, it's just so freeing because, and I've had so many people tell me their favorite thing about the dot cup is forgetting that they're on their period altogether. It's so easy and so convenient that you just don't think about it. Oh my gosh. I love the sound of that. (laughs) Yeah. It's pretty wonderful. (laughs) I'm actually getting flashbacks of when I first started to use a tampon and all of my girlfriends trying to teach me. Oh yeah. I came from a family where my mom always taught me to use a pad. Okay. mom. (laughs) And so it took me a little time until all of my girlfriends were like, girl, you got to get on the tampon. And I feel like now it's like, oh my gosh, you guys have to try the cup. 
Yeah, I know it's there are those varying levels and steps and it's definitely, yeah, it kind of takes you right back to that mindset. The first time I tried a cup, I had my roommate standing right outside of the bathroom and she was telling me like what to do step by step. And I was like, wait, I think it's stuck. Like you have to Google, you know, there were all these things, you know, I, it, it is, it's a learning curve, but yeah. just like tampons are. But once you get over that initial learning curve, most people that I talk to, they never want to go back. And they have that moment of, you know, what was I doing all along without a menstrual cup? You know, what was I even doing? Yeah. <laughs> I want to come back to your one-to-one model. Yeah. I think that's incredible. I feel like that's starting to become a lot more common. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of young people now really want to give back. Like that's really important to us. Mm-hmm. So I love for you to share Maybe for someone who is starting a business and they want to do that, they want to have more of a one-to-one model, or even if they're giving a percentage away, what tips or advice would you have around that? Because obviously you are kind of splitting your revenue there. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I think that the one-for-one model has to just really work with your business and what you're trying to accomplish in order for you to pursue it. And I think that for me, I knew that at the core of my business, I wanted it to be for women, to empower women, especially those around the world without the means or the access to menstrual products. And so for me, the options were starting a nonprofit and constantly needing to fundraise and to donate menstrual products to women and girls or to start a for-profit and have that revenue coming in naturally to be able to support women and girls around the world. Because I so believe in the products that I wanted more women and girls in the United States and women with the means to purchase them to be using them as well, especially because of the environmental impact, which I didn't even talk about. But you know, women and girls in the United States in particular, the average woman uses over 11,000 tampons in her lifetime. So if you imagine all of those tampons going to landfills somewhere, you know, I don't even want to know where they're going. You know, it's just, (laughs) that's disgusting to think about. So I believe in menstrual cups so much that I want, I think more women around the world should be using them. Hey babe, thanks for listening to this episode. I wanted to quickly let you know about our online business mentorship program. My team and I designed a membership site full of powerful business resources. And every 30 days we drop a brand new business course with action steps to help you incorporate the training directly into your business. We cover everything from money and marketing to social media and personal development. But more than that, CEO Club is also an incredible community. You'll have access to our private Facebook group and our monthly group coaching calls where I support you and answer your burning business questions. The best part is every month you're a member, we donate 5% of your membership to Charity Water and you provide clean drinking water for a community in need. When you invest in your business success, you invest in others. So if you're interested in building a profitable business, then join the sisterhood at steadfastsociety.co forward slash CEO club. And for being a loyal Steadfast Society listener, use promo code CO10 to get a discount on your first month inside. Now let's get back to the show. So the one-for-one model just really made sense for me. And I I think that you're right. I think our generation really cares about products that give back. And I think that it was at the core of my business from the very beginning. I wanted to be able to empower women with every purchase because, you know, girls in developing countries especially... When they stay home from school on their period, if they don't have access to menstrual products, they're missing 12 weeks out of the year and and they fall behind very quickly. So I think that it depends on the product 
for the one-for-one model to work because obviously if it's something like handbags, for example, there might not be as great a need in in the developing world for handbags, but something like a menstrual cup can change a young girl's life forever. So it's a really incredible tool in that way. I love that. That's beautiful. And that's actually a really great point. Like really consider what product you're selling and if that makes sense to a need, to need in the world. Yeah. But like you mentioned earlier too, I think that even if you have using my example of a handbag company, then you can still definitely have an impact with your brand. But I think maybe the one for one model wouldn't make sense, but I think you can still have a really incredible impact, whether you find an organization that makes sense to partner with you. Yeah. Then you can still donate a portion of your proceeds and still have an an empowerment program of some kind um, because that really is important. And I think that our generation especially really gravitates towards businesses that give back and bettering the world in some way. Yeah, 100%. So something that we do, one of our programs, 5% of your monthly cost for that goes to Charity Water, which is a cause that I'm personally passionate about. My husband yeah. and I were on the committee with them in the UK when they launched. Oh, cool. Yes. Yeah, so I amazing. totally agree. Like it doesn't have to be the same product that you're making. There's definitely different ways to go about it versus just the one-to-one model. So I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. And clean water is at the core of everything. I mean, if you don't have clean water, you can't do much. You know, it relates to agriculture, it relates to cooking and cleaning, it relates to sanitation. And there's, I mean, obviously health in general, but I think that that's one reason we partner with World Vision to distribute the menstrual cups that we give away because they are one of the leading providers of clean water around the world. And we kind of follow their lead wherever they are providing clean water. That's where we hope to donate menstrual cups next because it's you, you do need access to clean water in order to safely use a menstrual cup so that you can boil it and keep it sanitary, keep it clean. So we definitely agree with you on the importance of clean water. That's that's amazing to hear. Yeah. I actually just recently learned that World Vision and Charity Water work together. They do. I had no clue. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I know not a lot of people know that, but I actually worked for World Vision for four years. It's an amazing organization. So definitely be proud to support them. I guess indirectly, if you're supporting Charity Water, you kind of support both. Exactly. Love that. (laughs) I want to come back a little bit to your story. I know on when I read a little bit about your journey and how you started DOT, you mentioned a little bit about putting your dreams of starting DOT on hold. So I'd love for you to share what that moment was or what that looked like in your life. And then any advice for women who are maybe in a season of waiting right now? Definitely. I was working, you know, in the advertising industry when I first had the idea. And then, as I mentioned, I worked for World Vision for four years after that. And I just, I think the main reason that I put the idea on hold is just out of fear. I had never started business. I didn't study business in school and I just felt unequipped. I felt insecure. I felt like I didn't know how to do that. I felt like vulnerable in putting myself out there in that way. And so I believed in the idea. I believed in the concept and I believed that menstrual cups and still believe that menstrual cups are going to be a huge part of the future of period care around the world. But I just fear was really in a word what kept me from pursuing it for about four years. And what I would tell anyone with a big idea that they believe in 
first, if you have that idea and it just won't go away, then it's probably something that's going to stick around for a while. And so I don't think there's any harm in sitting on an idea for a year or two and sharing it with people and asking people for their thoughts and opinions and advice. Because those ideas that stick around are are generally the ones that end up being successful. So the idea for Dot definitely stuck around and I just couldn't get rid of it. I couldn't shake it. (laughs) Um, But I think that the other thing I would say is just to do one thing every day to pursue your dream. And I think that that's nothing groundbreaking. That piece of advice has been given over the ages, but I think it's so true that it wasn't some big, huge gesture or decision that led me to launching dot that led me to pushing that, you know, go live button on our launch day in March. It was tons and tons of little tiny baby steps along the process of launching dot. I didn't even really know at what point was the moment that I should, you know, crack open a bottle of champagne and cheers <laughs> to it because it just felt, you know, unfinished or each step felt small but big in its own way, you know. So when I first registered the LLC, that felt like a big deal, but I didn't have a website. I didn't have a product. And so I didn't feel like I could toast at that moment, you know. And then at the moment that I did have a product that we got from our manufacturer, our first round, it still needed some tweaks and I still didn't have a website and I hadn't sold any yet. So then I felt like, well, it's not legit yet. And, you know, so every yeah. step along the way, I sort of felt like, well, this can't be the moment to celebrate. Not yet, you know. And then even the day that we launched in March was a very celebratory day, but. I thought, you know, I can't celebrate yet. I haven't even sold any. So I don't even know if this is going to work. And if it doesn't work, I don't want to make a big deal out of it. So, you know, I think there are so many little moments of celebration that I sort of had internally. And I definitely have celebrated along the way. But all that to say, it, it takes so many baby steps to get to a huge step like this that literally you can do something every single day, whether it's sending an email, whether it's scheduling a call with somebody who started a business in a similar industry, whether it's finding a mentor, whether it's sketching out the logo design, all those things are the little baby steps that lead you to the huge steps. So I would say just trying to take one baby step a day and that's going to eventually get you somewhere. Love. It's so true. It's so, so true. And I totally agree with you. I would absolutely second that doing something every single day, whether, like you said, whether it's reaching out to a mentor, sending an email, I think something that's really, really important is just educating yourself. I think Mm -hmm. a lot of women who do start businesses, it really comes from passion or something that they feel called to do. And a lot of the time they're not educated in business and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I think that that's something I would add to what you said, just like learn as much as you can as you're kind of in a waiting season. Definitely. Yeah. And, and reading books and asking people who are educated when it comes to business to come alongside you throughout the journey. All of those things are so important. And I think what I didn't mention is what did cause me to, to finally take that jump and start pursuing it. And I wrote a business plan probably about two and a half years ago and started kind of floating it around to some mentors and asking some people about it. And that was sort of my first dipping my toe into making dot a reality. But what finally caused me to to jump in with both feet was when I was actually on maternity leave. So of all times, I had a baby in April of 2017. And 
although I was definitely very busy with my daughter, it, it's a different kind of busy. You know, you're home a lot more and, you know, I, I didn't really get out of the house a ton when she was first born and babies early on, especially sleep a lot too. And so I tend to be a person who likes to keep myself busy and whether it's a knitting project or a book, a book or, you know, things like that. So I just decided, you know, I have this window of three months where I'm not working uh, my normal job and I'm home a lot more. And so I just started sketching logos and I started making phone calls and I started playing around on Squarespace and I started calling manufacturers. And that was really, I guess, the window of time that I needed to just go for it. That's amazing. Totally crazy at the same time, but I know it was crazy, (laughs) (laughs) but those are the best moments. Sometimes you just have to go for it. Especially if you just see that window, that moment you're like, okay, I have this time right now. I know I'm about to have a baby, but whatever, you know, I'm going to make it work. Yeah. It was almost as if I just needed to put the rest of my life on hold for a minute to go for it. And that's kind of what happens when you have a baby. (laughs) A lot of your life is put on hold. And so in those kind of in-between moments and in the the quiet spaces when my daughter was napping and, and I even remember going for walks with her in the stroller and being on the phone with manufacturers and, you know, it was, it was a wild ride, but it was really fun. It was fun for me to have something to focus on that was my own instead of having my entire life revolve around this, this little person, which, you know, the majority of my life did revolve around her, but it was fun for me to have something else to focus on that was for myself. I do have a question for you now that we're talking about moms and being entrepreneurs at the same time. I don't have any kids of my own, but I hear a lot about mommy guilt in terms of, you know, working on your career and being really passionate about that and obviously loving and adoring your kids. Mm -hmm. Do you struggle with that at all? Is there any advice you have around that? Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's (laughs) definitely, I think that's one of the top five things that I didn't expect about becoming a mother that I, whenever people ask me, you know, what things do you feel like you've learned over the last year and a half? The guilt was so unexpected for me. But what I've realized is that it's inescapable for moms because any mom, it just gives me respect for all mothers because any mom has to make the difficult decision of sacrificing something, especially when it comes to work. So either you choose to sacrifice or to give up time with your children to focus on your career, or you give up a career that you really love to focus on time with your children, or you do a little bit of both and you feel kind of stretched you know, and spread completely thin. And so I've definitely experienced that mom guilt. And I think that it's a hard thing to deal with because you want to be the best mother to your children and in the way that they're shaping and growing and to nurture them and to be spend as much quality time with them as you can. But I've also seen mothers lose themselves in that too. And that's always been really important to me that I try to stay true to my passion and my dreams and what matters to me and never to lose myself in my right now child and hopefully in the future children. So I think that's saying it's a balance. And I think that it will always be ebbing and flowing in my life. And, you know, I only have an 18 month old, so I'm sure that that will only continue to change. And and kids go through different stages of how much they need their mom and, and dad and, and how, 
how they can shift and grow. And then soon they'll be in school. You know, so I think it's just an evolving process that will never be an easy answer, unfortunately. But yeah, the mom guilt is real. That's for sure. (laughs) Actually, if I'm being really honest, my husband and I are definitely at a point. I mean, we've been married almost five years. So I definitely thought we'd probably have kids earlier on. And yeah, at least at this point, we're definitely at a place where we're talking about it a lot more. We realize actually we're getting a little bit older now. Mm -hmm. Maybe we should start (laughs) thinking about it and planning for it. But you know, doing everything that I do, I feel like I actually already have mommy guilt. Like I know that I'm not going to stop the work that I'm doing. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And it's so funny. I mean, I don't actually have kids and I have no idea if they're going to be here in like a year or two years or five years from now. But that's definitely, even as a Mm non-mom, it's definitely something that's already on like my heart. And yeah. Yeah. No, I think that makes total sense though. And I will say, and I had a good friend tell me this too, before I had kids that my husband and I waited about five years as well. So we're a very similar timeline to you. But one of my biggest fears in becoming a mother was just like I mentioned earlier, losing myself in mommyhood and and kind of one day waking up and thinking, who am I? And what did I do with the former Betsy? And where is she? And what does she want out of life? And I don't even know anymore, you know? And that was one of my biggest fears. And I, I think that what a friend told me is that you're already so aware of that piece of you that needs to survive and that needs to thrive. And that's so important that you will pay attention to that voice inside of you and that passion. So I would say that to you and to anybody else who has passion and who has drive and who wants to continue in their career with in the midst of motherhood, I think if it's in you that it's so important and so special and something that you know needs to stay alive inside of you, then I totally believe that it will. Because that's a, a, a difficult part of someone to completely get rid of. And there might be times where it's it's secondary, where it doesn't take the top priority spot. But I think that since it matters to you and it's important to you, you'll prioritize that even as a mother someday. <laughs> oh, I love that. Thank you for that advice. Seriously, I yeah. it's definitely thoughts that I've had. How much will I lose myself? I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'd be so torn. I love the work that I do now, mm-hmm. but I know that I'm going to adore my children. I mean, I see the way that I am with my nieces and nephew. Like they're all over my Instagram stories all the time. So <laughs> oh. I'm going to be worse with my kids. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's such a special relationship though. But I see what you're saying. There's definitely going to be, I don't know. I don't feel like I'll lose love for either. So it makes sense. Yeah. Even if it means putting some of the work that I do not on hold, but maybe just taking a little bit of a step back or mm-hmm. slowing it down a little bit. Yeah. Yes. I'm open to that. So I appreciate that. Of course. I know you mentioned you were on the phone with manufacturers. So I do have a question for you about that. Mm-hmm. I'd love to just ask you, how the heck do you handle that? That's like a whole nother component. A lot of what I do is like digital work mm-hmm. and like service-based work. So I'd love to just know... I don't know, any tips you might have around that or how you even got started with connecting and talking to manufacturers? Yeah, that's a good question. And I mean, since my background is in art direction and design, manufacturing was far from my wheelhouse (laughs) too. So that was definitely the part um, of starting the business that was most foreign to me. And I didn't start in any fancy way. I Googled it and I searched silicone (laughs) manufacturing plants in the Midwest and I started 
making cold calls. I mean, literally that's how I did it. And there were the majority of the people that I spoke with were middle-aged men about the same age as my dad. So I had lots of conversations. I got very comfortable speaking with, you know, middle-aged men who had no idea what a menstrual cup even was and, you know, asking them if they wanted to manufacture them for me and in that process, I met a couple of really helpful people who were willing to let me ask them all the embarrassing questions like, what does that abbreviation stand for in your industry? And what does that measurement stand for? And what are the differences between these types of materials and silicones? And how does the FDA play into this? And, you know, there were, I had so many questions that I'm sure to somebody that's been in that field for so long seems silly and and like I should know it. But there were people along the way who were willing to let me ask them all those questions. And I took lots of notes and made lots of phone calls and had lots of conversations. And, you know, one of the first manufacturing partners that we had, I thought was going to go the distance with us and, and they were really helpful early on, but it was probably around October. So about a year ago, when we were planning to launch in March, that they, I got a call from one of the heads of development there. And they said, you know, we are not anti-startups, but we're starting to feel a little bit nervous about taking on the risk of a startup. And we're just not sure that we want to partner with you anymore. Mm-hmm. And so that was incredibly stressful yeah. and incredibly disappointing. But it ended up being such a good thing because it led me to the manufacturing partner that we work with now, which is a small family owned manufacturer in Wisconsin. It's only about an hour and a half drive for me to be able to pop up there and say hi and see how things are going. And in my first meeting with them, they said the exact opposite. They said, we're excited about what you're doing. We have lots of women in our office. They love this concept. They love this. We're behind you. We love startups. We want to see this thing work. So how can we help you? And so that was amazing. It taught me so much about the partnerships that you have and making sure to partner with people who catch your vision and who believe in what you're doing. I love that. That's beautiful. And I think you're so right. Sometimes we can feel really disappointed about a door that's closing when in reality, that could be the best thing for us. It's so true. Yep. We're entering kind of our last questions here. So I do want to ask you, what are your top maybe two or three tips for women who want to sell products? That's a good question. I guess the first thing I would say is to make sure that the product is a good product. And that sounds so simple. But I think in in making the dot cup, one of the things that was most important to me was that although I did love the menstrual cup that I started using from the beginning, I knew that there were things that could be better about it. And in speaking with friends who also use menstrual cups, there were certain complaints and things that they wish were different about their menstrual cup too. So I just went into this all out research mode and I sent out surveys and I talked to people and I asked people who had used menstrual cups, what they liked about them and what they didn't like about them. And I discovered this underworld on the internet of menstrual cup (laughs) reviews and what, I mean, it's hilarious, Beth, just how many people talk about menstrual cups on the internet and their favorite (laughs) brands and their favorite things about them and the shapes and the colors and the thickness of the silicone. And I, so I just discovered this crazy menstrual cup world on the internet. And I started to take notes of common themes that I saw and what people liked about their cups and what they disliked. And so I wanted to make 
not just a menstrual cup that gave back in some capacity and that looked beautiful. The aesthetic was so important to me as a designer, but I wanted it to function really well. And a product doesn't do well. It can do well for a little bit if it, if it's not high functioning. But I think that that's the first thing I would say is to create a product that works better than other products that performs better and answers those questions and complaints about products that are similar to it. So that's the first thing I would say. The other thing I would say is that as a designer with my background in art direction and branding, I love branding. I always have. I love brands that stand out and have a beautiful aesthetic and tell a great story. So I would say every aspect of your brand should matter and should tell your consistent story. And what I mean by that is not just the website and not just the big marketing pieces, not just the packaging, but down to... We, you know, we have a card that we include with every menstrual cup that's how to use it and how to fold it and how to insert it and how to remove it, which with a lot of menstrual cup brands is a very sort of medical, technical piece of information with bullet points. And I even wanted that piece to feel beautiful and to feel artful. And what I said from the very beginning was I want that any piece of material that I send out to be worthy of someone hanging on their bulletin board at their office. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it was it was so important to me from the beginning. And I um, partnered with an illustrator named Allie who... Allie Makes Things is her handle on Instagram. You guys should follow her. And she did some beautiful illustrations of the menstrual cup folds for me. And she did some hand lettering for me of some of the quotes that inspired me in starting the business. And so that I put those, I put her illustrations on the technical pieces of how to insert the menstrual cup and how to use it and how to keep it sanitary. And I, it's so cool because I have seen people hang it on their wall or you know post it on Instagram. And, and things like that. So I just think that brands make a mistake when they think that there are elements of their brand that don't matter, that are just throwaway pieces or uh, that communicate a piece of important information that doesn't look, need to look beautiful or doesn't need to be designed or need to match the branding or tell the story. And I just think that that's not true. I think that every single piece that your customers see matters and every single piece is a touch point and a way to tell your brand story. A hundred percent agree. It's actually making me think of the tampon products that I buy and the little, I feel like they're always folded up really funny in your box. Oh yeah. Medical information. Yes. I mean, I don't even think I've ever stopped to read one of those, like really read one of those. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If it's all in size five point font and it doesn't look important, why would you read it? (laughs) And actually it is kind of important information but it looks too long. The letters are super tiny. It's like mm-hmm. really crumpled up inside the boxes. And yeah, it's not something that I would ever pay attention to. So I think that's awesome. And I think that just shows how much care you have for your product and your business and, and how much you actually value your customers and their experience. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that is important. Okay. Well, I have three final questions for you. We love to ask these questions. They give us a little bit of insight on you and a little bit of advice from you. Okay. So my first question for you is what legacy do you want to leave behind? Oh man, that's such a big question. (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like I could take a long time to answer that and a long time (laughs) to think about it. But I think 
Yeah. Keeping my daughter in mind, I think the legacy that I would love to leave is just to help girls like my daughter near and far around the world feel empowered and feel like they can accomplish their dreams. They can chase what matters to them and that they won't be held back. I think that's probably in a nutshell, the the legacy I would love to leave. I love that. And I think you're absolutely already doing that. I'm sure every woman would tell you what an amazing solution a menstrual cup is. Like I said, I haven't tried it yet, but I have been so eager to try one. I love what you're doing. I feel like you're giving a solution for such an important part that gives women back a lot of time. Yeah. It's the first step. You know, it's, yes. it's definitely the first step that needs to happen, especially for the women who really need it to free them up, to be able to consider their dreams and to be able to consider taking those first steps of, of getting an education and getting a job and, and going from there. I think it, it's the very first step of that cycle. Yeah. I love it. All right. My next question for you is what is your favorite quote or favorite business book? Okay. So I would say my favorite quote doesn't necessarily have to do with business, but it's, it's more general. But my favorite quote is how you live your day is how you live your life. And that's something that has stuck with me for a long time. And it sort of goes back to that baby steps, one step a day type of idea. And that can apply to a business or just to life in general. But I think a lot of times as a dreamer myself, I think a lot about the big picture and a lot in terms of how I want to see myself or where I want to be in a year or five years. And I think that what it comes down to is the way that you spend your days are going to amount to what you look back on and what your life kind of amounts to. And so I try to think about that a lot in just the little things, the little decisions I make throughout my day and the little steps that I take and the little phone calls that I make or the notes that I write or the interactions I have with my daughter or the intention I put into my business. I think that it's all in those small things that amount to the big things. So that quote has always inspired me both in life and in business. I love that. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. And and when it comes to my favorite business book, I guess that what I would say is maybe it's not a book, but my favorite business inspiration is actually a podcast and it's how I built this. Have you ever listened to oh it? Oh my gosh. It's like my favorite. Oh, I love it. <laughs> it's incredible. It never ceases to inspire me and to, I guess, just normalize some of the biggest brands out there. I think I always just assumed that they came from wealthy families and they, yeah. the way it was paved for them and they had it so easy. So when I when you hear the backstory of these people who fought tooth and nail and they were scrappy and they built their business from the from the ground up, I love hearing those stories and yeah, that that podcast just is so inspiring. Okay, I have to ask you, do you have a favorite interview? I do. I do. My favorite is from the founder of Spanx. That is such a good one. I do love that one. I was going to ask you when you were talking about manufacturers and stuff, I'm like, oh my gosh, Spanx. Oh, I love that. I love that interview. I've listened to it so many times, but yeah, it's, that one's good. Do you have, do you have a favorite? I have a few, I feel like that have really stood out to me. I really love the Kate Spade episode, which she did with your husband. 
It's so good. Oh, I know. And I feel like I'm drawing a blank. I know there's one other one. I do love the Chipotle episode as well for some reason, mm-hmm. but I think that's just because I really love Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> I love Chipotle too. Yeah, I remember really loving the founder of Patagonia. Yes, I think that was the one. Yeah, I can't remember his name, but that's a pretty amazing story too. And I love the way he thinks about business and he's such a free spirit. That's what I love. Yeah, it's such a different approach. Yeah. All right, Betsy, my final question for you is where can we find you online? Oh, yeah. The best place to find us is on Instagram at dotcup, D-O-T-C-U-P. And we post pretty regularly what we're up to about different partnerships and collaborations and giveaways. And soon we will be posting about our, we have a shipment of dot cups on their way to Zambia right now. So that is really exciting. Yeah. So we'll be sharing photos and stories really soon about that. So Instagram is is the best place to follow along there. And if you want to purchase a dot cup, the best place is our website, which is dotforall.com. It's C-O-T-F-O-R-A-L-L.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Betsy. Yeah. It's been such a pleasure to have you on here. It was so fun. Thank you for having me, Beth. It's a treat. Thanks for listening to the Steadfast Society podcast. Before you go, if you want to dive into the show notes for this episode and all past episodes, head on over to www.steadfastsociety.co. If you love today's episode, make sure to share it with a friend. Thanks for tuning in, love. We'll see you next time.